Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Premier League show. It's a show that's glad to see the back of international football for all of, ooh, four weeks. On today's pod, we're going around the grounds as always, paying particular attention to two games. City take on Brighton and we know what to expect from them this Saturday. We know because we see it every weekend from our own team. And prior to that, there's the 243rd Merseyside derby kicks off at Anfield. Come on, you toffees. Joining me to discuss both, I'm delighted to have with me today, Ben McKean, and making his 93-20 debut for Daily Mail's Merseyside correspondent and lifelong City fan, of course, Lewis Steele. Firstly, hello, Ben. You there? You well? Hi, Steve. Yeah, good, thank you. Just uh, as we're talking off on the, uh, off uh, about on air, it's uh, pretty pretty bad weather outside. Ooh, so we're yeah, yeah. Be thinking about the uh, the coat situation tomorrow, whether it's ready for big coat time or not. <laughs> I would say so. Yeah, it's, it's better safe than sorry. And it was nothing worse than being freezing cold at a game of football. Um, yeah, Lewis, are you going to the Moosside Derby? To- well, firstly, welcome to the pod, sir. <laughs> Cheers, Steve, uh, and hello, Ben. Uh, yeah, I'm going to the Merseyside Derby tomorrow. Uh, as Ben says, I think it will be the first outing of the of the season for the big coat there. Are you in the press box? Yeah, I will be. Uh, which is it's in the main stand at Anfield, and it's, it gets a little bit windy at times in that big stand. So yeah, um, yeah. So, but it, it should be a good game, I think. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, well, let's get straight to it because it is, it's certainly a big game, uh, an enjoyable game. And I, it's one I'm glad it's on a Saturday lunchtime as well because it's, um, I do like a Saturday lunchtime kickoff and Moodside Derby's rarely disappoint. Um, I'll start with you, Ben, first as regards to Liverpool. They're looking good this season, aren't they? Um, what's their biggest strengths, do you think? What, what's Klopp done well this summer? It's it's hard to, hard to put your finger on in comparison to to previous years. I think obviously last season what they they suffered with was uh, was the inconsistency really, wasn't it? So you know they'd have a couple of good results and they they drop they drop a few points out of nowhere. So I think it's hard to to put your finger on exactly what it is. Like I'd still say their defence isn't you know necessarily rock solid. Mm. Um, their attack is as good as it's been in previous years, and obviously there's been a huge change up with the with the midfield with the likes of of Henderson and Fabinho going. Um, but with that, I'd say so far this season, what I've seen of them, I think McAllister looks good, but I think there's there's probably still more to come from him. Um, I think he he can you know he can improve and, and have more of an impact. Um, but Saboslai is also a player that I guess he's been increasing week on week. I think each time you see. You know, particularly on, on match of the day, there's there's more and more highlights on him. He seems to be having more and more yeah. influence. So, as I say, I don't think there's anything particularly that I'd say. Well, this is significantly better. It's just overall consistency, um, which which you know is, is huge in this league. And get get a few a few run of games together, which of course we know that they can they can and they're capable of doing. And that's when that's when they'll be a threat for for a city. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm anticipating them kind of challenging them, challenging us all the way pretty much. Um, just kind of a word, Lewis, on Mo Salah. Uh, he's been incredible of late. 21 goal involvements in his last 20 league outings. Have they become more of a one-man team with Marnie no longer there and Firmino? It used to be the three of them would terrorise the Premier League. I'm not, you know, dismissing the other threats that they have, of course, but... They do seem to rely an awful lot on Mo Salah Liverpool. If he plays well, they play well. Have they become 
uh, you know, one man team's an exaggeration, but more of a yeah. one man team. Well, the, yeah, well, there's obviously a reason why they were so keen to turn down what up to two hundred million for, yeah. for for a player in his thirties in the summer, and that is because he is by far their best player. Whatever happens, um, I, I, I don't know about one man team though. They've got. What they've got now is a dynamic midfield, which I don't think they even had that when they won the Premier League in um, in the COVID year. Because um, I, I always thought their midfield was a, a little bit just a few people who run around. But now they've got Sabosly and McAllister, who are both very good creative midfielders. So they've got that behind Salah now, and they will both chip in with goals. Um, but yeah, as you say, Salah's probably have him one of his best seasons but it's going a bit under the radar because he's not scoring as much as he usually does yeah but but he is creating a lot and he's involved in a lot of goals even when he's not getting getting his assist on the on the board or whatever so yeah I wouldn't say one man team but he's he's still definitely their best player yeah absolutely yeah he's the one you fear you know if if you're facing Liverpool Let's face it; you'd be chuffed a bit if he if he had a little hamstring injury beforehand. <laughs> and looking at it from an Everton perspective, Ben, I've got Calvert Lewin. Kind of, I'm loath to say he's fit and available because he rarely is. It's you know we need a string of games before we could say that. But he certainly, you know, he seems to be putting his his kind of darkest days behind him now in that regard. They've got Beto, Danjuma, McNeil, Harrison. They've also got James Garner, who's really coming into form, uh, and Decore, who I, who I admi- you know, kind of uh, rate quite highly, assisting from deep. It's fair to say that Toffees have got a decent attacking lineup now, whereas in previous seasons that absolutely wasn't the case. Yeah, I think the the recent form, the three wins in, in four, was being honest, it was a bit of a surprise. <laughs> I think particularly there's a couple of really big away wins and, and performances. Mm. Um, and I did. I did really didn't see it come in. I mean, I think we've spoken before that you know the, there's been a few performances and results this season. You've just thought thought you know they're they're completely doomed, um, and you know it's going to look like a tough season for them. But I think obviously of late they've they've turned it around slightly um, with Calvert Lewin. You know, obviously you, as you say, you don't know how fit he's going to be, and he's he, he's only just started to to be available for them really so he's going to have a big, big impact he's a good player uh, you could say the same for Harrison as well you know he's he wasn't fit early on and I think he's a, he's a really good player whenever I've seen him for Leeds he's, he's always stood out so I think there's options there um, I still think the the team and you know we'll talk about it in a second but I still think you know we'll probably see something where they're going to return to uh, to type or certainly you know Dice's type for the for the weekend um, but but there's options there, and I think what for all of those players that you talk about, you know, whether it's um, Harrison or Dan Juma or McNeil, that they're all counter-attacking players. I would say so. I think that's what we'll probably see against Liverpool. Is that you know probably have Calvert Lewin up front as the sort of main focal point, and then them running off him um, after they you know sort of try and be solid at the back and hit Liverpool on the counter. I think that's that's how they'll try and be effective. Yeah, and they've got the players to do precisely that as well. That is part of their kind of strengths, I would say. Um, having said that, though, Lewis, Everton's track record in this fixture is being abysmal, particularly at Anfield. The last one Anfield in front of the crowd in that in '99. Is there a psychological element to this? Um, particularly, you know, was it two years ago? Wasn't it they won um, in front of an empty Anfield? But prior to that, 
every time I came to do a preview of a Merseyside derby, it was going into the head-to-heads, seeing see, see what was number one in the charts the last time Everton won, that kind of stuff. Um, so if that's the case for us covering it, surely it must be the case for the players as well going into it. Yeah, definitely. I think this, the stat this time is that Everton have won one in the last 25 in the yeah. Premier League. Yeah. Which is just ridiculous when you like lay it out like that. But I think it's definitely a psychological factor. They've had a lot of, in those 25 games, probably had 10 different managers. Um, but Sean Dykes is doing some good work there, I think. he's They've won three of the last four now, in, um, if you include the Cup game. Um, and they, they have... What's what's weird about Everton is you think often as Deitch as the def- defensive manager, don't you? Especially from his time at Burnley, how he'd um, always frustrate teams. Well, not not necessarily Man City because they'd always rock up there and win, but um, he'd always frustrate teams at Burnley. But they've actually got, got, as you say, some quite good attacking options. So it's it's whether they can balance that well enough at Anfield because they have looked a bit suspect at the back this season. Yeah. Whereas going forward, I think another stat is that. In in terms of XG, they should be fifth in the league because they've mm. they've won the XG in all but two games. I think it is this season. So if they they just need to take their chances at Anfield because Liverpool have looked quite bad defensively this season. I have to say in most games, and they've leaked a lot of chances. So if 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 DCL or one of the wingers or whatever can get an early chance and they put it away, then you wouldn't you wouldn't bet against Everton being able to just frustrate Liverpool for 80 minutes or whatever. But yeah, it's definitely psychologically against them. Um, and they will go into this knowing that they're second favourites. But that might play into their favour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it hasn't it in the past. I think they have gone in there with an inferiority complex, whereas it's far better to go in there with an underdog complex. Uh, or not a complex, but, you know, mentality. Um, but... and. Yeah, Dyche is precisely the man to drill that into them. It's What I find fascinating about this, though, is that Liverpool have got consistently the upper hand in this fixture. But 19 of the last 47 league meetings, 47 being since 2000, 19 of those 47 have ended up all square. Um, so that means in the last 23 years of Merseyside derby, oh yes, actually loads of them have been nil-nils as well. Mm. So in the last 23 years, a Merseyside derby has finished goalless 21.5% of the time, over a fifth of the time it's finished nil-nil, which is just remarkable. Um, also, loads of red cards in this game, 22, um, more than any other. Um, it's the most drawn fixture, as I've just said. So with all that in mind, Ben, can Everton get something, do you think? I personally think it would be relatively comfortable for Liverpool, this one. Um, I think there'll be some some interesting battles and, you know, saying about Calvert-Lewin I think Calvert-Lewin up against Van Dijk who's, who's probably I think his sort of best days are behind him I think there's a few a few things that in there will make it interesting um, but I think ultimately Liverpool are a tough proposition at home um, and particularly you know in, in a day like this where it'll be a bit of an intense atmosphere mm-hmm. so I think I think they'll run out relatively comfortably maybe you know a goal each half 2-0 or something like that that's what I'm going for Okay uh, Lewis what about yourself how do you see it playing out this weekend? Um, I think Liverpool will win, but I don't think it'll be as comfortably as uh, Ben just said. I think they've got a few injury doubts. I mean, Robertson's not playing. Um, McAllister's a little bit of a doubt because of his travels with Argentina this week. Same with Darwin Nunez. Um, Even if they play, they won't be fully fit. So I think Everton 
should be able to frustrate them for a bit. So I'll go 2-1 with Liverpool scoring a relatively late goal. Oh, God, we've done that a few times in the past. Uh, it's quite telling as well that both teams have only had one clean sheet all season apiece. Um, so, yeah, it's both defences, really, which look a bit suspect. So I'm going to go for 3-1 Liverpool. I think Liverpool will win, but I think it'll be... In a similar regard to you, Lewis, I think it'll be 2-1 and then a late third for Liverpool to decide it. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. Um <laughs> Before we move on to City Brighton, just a quick chat with you, Lewis, about your... Recent, um, well, you, you, you change your job, moving to Daily yeah. Mail, um, Mercer like correspondent. So you were at the Mail beforehand, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I was sort of based, um, sort of uh, down in London, up in the um, in the office, sort of doing various right. things on the desk, uh, getting out to random games at the the weekend. But my patch was really the sort of bottom half pram games that um, didn't have a designated correspondent. So right. <laughs> but it was, it was obviously still very good fun but then they offered me this job covering Liverpool and Everton and obviously I'm not going to say no because you get to go to very big matches every weekend and lots of nice European trips in the Europa League and whatever or Champions League maybe next season so it's been good fun so far Have you had many interactions with Dyche and Klopp in, in press conferences and such? Yeah I mean as, as everyone will know Klopp can get a bit dicey with the media but so far, he's been okay with me. Uh, yeah. Sean Dyche is Sean Dyche is um is the is the same really. He he tries to have a laugh and a joke with people yeah. before the cameras start rolling or whatever. So they they've both been easy enough to deal with. I think that the the thing with that is like if if Klopp says something relatively boring, it's um it's headline worthy in the paper and online because everyone clicks on it. Whereas if Dyche says something amazing, it's still. Mm. battling for space and whatever so it's, it's been interesting to observe I mean I think the key thing for you is to make sure your phone's off isn't it because Dyche is <laughs> very much the kind of manager who loves a bit of that if, if a phone goes yeah. off I mean it, I think there is a video isn't it of him answering the phone once um, <laughs> yeah uh, okay let's kind of turn our attention to the Etihad City v Brighton um, Ben what have you made of the Seagulls this term it, it's quite odd really they were undone by West Ham I mean, you could say it was a smash and grab, really, by West Ham, but it was 3-1, and they were absolutely walloped by Villa uh, before the international break. But that aside, they've been brilliant. Um, so I don't really know what to make of it. I mean, aside from those two two defeats, they've averaged over three goals per game. So they have been sensational, but they're prone to being absolutely mullered as well. Thanks for listening to the first 15 minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.